You're listening to a message that was recorded live at Roots Community Church in Costa Mesa, California. Roots exists to celebrate the glory of God through lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about our community, visit us at rootschurch.net. Well, we continue our sermon series on why we sing, and that's the very question that we're asking. Why is it? that we sing? Why is it that God's people are a singing people? We saw two weeks ago from Ephesians 5 as Pastor Dylan preached, we discovered that the reason why we sing is to glorify God and encourage one another as the church. Last week as we were in Exodus 15 as Pastor Hans preached, we saw that we have every reason to sing because of who God is and what he has done in delivering his people and what he has promised to do. So we as the church, we have every reason to praise God because he is worthy of our praise. And this morning, as we continue our sermon series and as we continue asking the question, we now pivot and shift to not so much as asking the why question, but How? How does this look like in the church? What does this look like? What kind of shape does this take as we sing songs in the church and at home? And so for the best instruction from God's word on how to sing, we need not look any further than the book of Psalms. After all, the book of Psalms is a collection of songs, 150 of them that God's people have been singing for millennia. And so for a good summary of the Psalms, I want to commend to you and recommend Mark Dever's book, The Message of the Old Testament. He takes every book of the Bible and and gives a really succinct summary. So, So some of those notes I'll just quote here. As you may know, the Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. It's composed of 150 and it's categorized into five different books with all sorts of various authors. And David, King David, wrote about half of them. Martin Luther called the book of Psalms a miniature Bible because in it we find the whole plan of redemption. And the Psalms were not written in one sitting. We sometimes can read it in, in, in one sitting if we have five hours of our time, which would be a good use of time, but it was written over the span of about a thousand years over Israel's history. And so as we approach the Psalms, there is a lot about it. There's a lot that can be said, but I think we all know what, what stands out the most, and that's the beauty of the book of Psalms. It's beautiful. After all, the Psalms are where we find that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we read that in God's presence there's fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is where we read that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So it's apparent that the Psalms are beautiful. But it's also overwhelming. It's the biggest book in the Bible. There's 150 of them. They're divided into sections. There's all sorts of different authors. 
It covers the span of a thousand years. How do we make sense of the book of Psalms as we are asking the question, how does God prescribe his people to sing? At my home, we have a front door, like many people have. And our front door is a Dutch door. It's pretty awesome. It swings open on the top, and it could stay closed on the bottom. It's red. It has golden doorknobs. And it has locks that we use at night. Right? This is the definition of what a door is. And so this is, for us, it's the only way into our home, uh, especially if, uh, if the door has been locked. Uh, it, it creates some trouble. And for me, I tend to lose my keys and forget where I place them all the time. So for me, I have to constantly find an alternative way in. And for me, my favorite way is by scaling up the molding by the front window and climbing over the railing into the balcony and through the bedroom door. And so that's not ideal, right? The ideal way of entering into the home is through the front door. And so the Psalms, they're beautiful. There's all sorts of beautiful rooms that we see. But the ideal way of entering into any home and into the book of Psalms is through the front door. And so that's what we'll do this morning as we read and open to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is the front door into the book of Psalms for understanding how to grasp these collections of songs. So if you are able to, would you join with me and stand as we read God's holy word? Psalm chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Beloved, this is God's holy word to us. You may be seated. So in this first psalm, we see here on the surface a picture of two different kinds of people. You have the righteous and you have the wicked. You have the godly and you have sinners. And according to this psalm, the defining mark of the righteous man, the righteous person, is this, that they love God's word, that they meditate on God's law that the very orbit and center of their whole universe is based around God's living word. We see that the blessed one is not one who walks and stands and sits in the fellowship of darkness, but rather with God Almighty by delighting in his words of life. Verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
and on his law he meditates day and night. So we see that this is the mark of the man, of the woman who delights in God by meditating, by clinging to refuging in God's word. And we see in this psalm a picture of what this kind of life looks like. Hebrew poetry is filled with all kinds of imagery. And it's a beautiful way for things to stick in our minds and hearts. And here in the very first psalm of the whole book of Psalms, we have this beautiful image of a tree. Once again, verse 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. And so once again, for us, for God's people, this psalm is the front door. It's as if the the songwriter, the psalmist is saying, before you enter into the sanctuary of the psalms, you must make a decision. Will you be firmly planted? Will your roots go deep into God and in his word? Or will you be like a tumbleweed that's blown over by the most gentle breezes? And here, it's where we start applying this whole book to our context as we're asking the question, how do we sing? It's no coincidence that we see this image of this flourishing tree rooted deep into God and in his word. It's no coincidence that we see this image and that it comes in the form of a song. This is not a coincidence. The implicit argument from this God-inspired song is that those who delight themselves in the law of the Lord, those who meditate on his law day and night, are those who sing to God and are therefore deeply rooted and grounded in him. Streams of wisdom and truth from God alone is the source of this firmly planted tree. So we sing to God, church, and to one another in order to be like this kind of tree. This is why we sing. This is the front door. This is the approach as we wade into the streams of the book of Psalms. And now, let's get practical. Right? This is a big book. How are we going to cover this? We don't have five hours to read right? There's all sorts of different breakups. You could break it up into different books by authorship. But I think the most helpful way of breaking up this book is by breaking it up into its various genres. That is to say that not every psalm is the same. They don't have the same tone or mood or subject matter. These songs This songbook that we have as the church, they span a wide spectrum so that we find that there are various expressions of worship, not just one way of singing to the Lord, but various expressions of how we sing and how we make much of Christ. And this is really instructive for us. From high hymns of praise to low laments and everything in between, we see this huge spectrum. This is really good for us to hear and instructive for us 
as we are leaning in and asking the Lord to grow us in our singing, in our worship as a church. There are various expressions of praise and song. And so what we see in the Bible are these various expressions. And we as a church want to be conformed to his living word and stand under his word and therefore express those various forms and expressions as well. This is how our roots go deep. I won't cover all the different genres, there's a lot of them, but in our time this morning, I wanna go over a few of them. And actually, in the first book, in Psalm one, these different genres are alluded to and peppered in. So we'll use Psalm one as a springboard as we talk about what does it look like? How do we worship as the church? What are these various expressions of praise? And so first, first expression of song, of praise, are hymns, hymns of praise. If you're a note taker, this is the first expression of song, hymns of praise. Psalm chapter one, verse one, right off the bat, it says, Blessed is the man, or happy is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Right off the bat, we see this kind of delight, this kind of joy, this happiness that the psalmist is describing and crying out as he is praying and singing to God. And this tone of delight and high praise runs all throughout the book of Psalms as God's people corporately and individually sing and shout to the Lord. This is found all throughout the book of Psalms. Example of this kind of singing can be found in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. In fact, the last five songs, the last five chapters of the book of Psalms are all this crescendo of high praise and an anthem of worship to God most high. Listen along. You don't have to turn there, just listen along. Psalm 146, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Psalm 148, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him all his might, in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Do you get the point? We praise God. We sing these psalms of high praise and hymns because he's worthy, because he is high and lifted up. And as we learn from the start of the sermon series, this is not merely about high volume and emotionalism that's void of its substance, but actually what we're after is looking and seeing who God is in all of his glory and all of his majesty, seeing this one, as we'll see next week in Isaiah 6, this high and lifted up king of glory and for our praise to rise and to be in concert with the nature of who God is. This is not emotionalism, this is right. And this is exactly what we need. 
This is exactly what we need. This brings great glory to God. And this brings nourishment to every branch and leaf. I remember when I first became a Christian when I was 17 years old. This vivid memory, the first two, three weeks, four weeks of becoming a Christian, I was radically changed and transformed. I saw this king of glory for the first time. And so my singing was there, existent where it wasn't. And I remember my lungs for that first three weeks hurt so bad. Like literally my lungs would just be hurting so bad as I was singing to God. And that, I I love thinking back to that because this is what God does. He breathes new life. He, He speaks new life. He causes what was formerly dead to be alive. He sings over his creation. And the only appropriate response is to sing back and to shout unto the Lord, the one who delivers. What else do we do? And we progressively grow and God stretches not only our lungs, but our hearts to see who it is that we're worshiping. And so church, as we're thinking about how we sing and this expression of high praise to God, if you are in this place and you feel as we gather as a church that you feel convicted and compelled by God's holy word, that this is not suggested, but God Almighty commands for us to sing, to make a loud noise and shout to him, but you feel afraid of what other people might think of you or you're gripped with insecurities about what this might mean if you sing off tune or whatever it is, fill in the blank. My hope and my prayer for you is that you would be filled with all sorts of freedom because God Almighty has commanded for you to sing and he also created you to do this. You don't need permission from any man. God himself gives you authority to shout to him. Psalm 150 verse six, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So that's the first expression. That's just one expression of our singing to God. Hymns of high praise. We now move to our second and third. Expressions of song and worship come in the form of high praise and they also come in remembrance and thanksgiving. Remembrance and thanksgiving. Look back with me at Psalm chapter one, verse six. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I like the NIV translation of this verse. Listen, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Again, we see here a contrast between the people of God and the wicked. And what's emphasized here in verse six The contrast that's emphasized here is the outcome of both of these people. That God is the one who delivers and rescues his people from the lion's mouth. The Lord watches over 
his people. As we learned last week, when God delivers, as we saw in Exodus 15, the only appropriate response is to remember what he did and respond with thanksgiving. For God delivers, we give him thanks. Remembrance and thanksgiving, this is like breathing for the believer. This is the inhale and the exhale of the Christian. We inhale and we remember all that God is and all that he has done in creation and new creation and we exhale and we say, thank you, God, you're worthy. There's so much to be said here. There are so many Psalms of thanksgiving, but let me just walk through a couple of these places that we see this ebb and flow, this inhale and this exhale in the book of Psalms. Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. The psalmist here is giving thanks simply for who God is. You are the God of gods, I give you thanks. And then, Drop down in verse 13, we see the psalmist recall and remember in light of who he is, what he did in delivering God's people from the land of Egypt, from the house of slavery. Verse 13, to him who divided the Red Sea in two for his steadfast love endures forever and made Israel pass through the midst of it for his steadfast love endures forever. The inhale and the exhale. God, this is what you have done. This is who you are. I give you thanks. This is what the psalmist does, and this is what we do collectively together as a church since we stand on the same dry ground that God split. Through the psalms, we see this inhale and exhale, and I'm, I'm convinced it's because we as human beings are so prone to forgetting We're so prone to forgetting. As I mentioned, I forget my keys all the time. I forget my passwords all the time, but I wish it were just keys and passwords. I wish I wasn't prone to forgetting the gospel, but I am. I wish I wasn't prone to forgetting that God split the Red Sea and that God delivered salvation and redemption through the death and resurrection of his son, but I do forget it all the time and this is why we sing church we sing because even though i know it's true i always forget that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains we sing remembrance and thanksgiving because we're prone to forgetting that my righteousness is jesus life my debt was paid by jesus death My weary load was borne by him, and he alone can give me rest. Church, what are you prone to forgetting about the gospel? What are you prone to forgetting about God? What kind of songs of remembrance and thanksgiving do you want to be singing? Lord, help us to remember you and give you thanks. This is how we stay rooted, church. And so we see another expression 
remembrance, thanksgiving, hymns of high praise. And we now move into our last expression of singing, the psalm, the song of lament. We now turn to our last expression, the songs of lament. Once again, there's so many different expressions, the various spectrum of how we sing to the Lord, what we sing to the Lord. But nothing compares with the kind of brutal honesty that we see in the songs of lament in the book of Psalms. It actually, the whole book of Psalms, one third of them are devoted to songs of lament. And it's no surprise because we as human beings, we live in the sin-fractured world. After the fall, life is hard. Sin is gripping. Temptation is at the door. Heat is hot. Thorns are pressing in. And this is the human experience. And so in these songs of lament, we see all sorts of expressions of fear and anxiety We see expressions of anger and pain and loss and confusion. However, what may or may not be surprising is that all of these songs of lament are actually expressions of praise and trust in Yahweh. These songs of lament are are actually expressions of praise to God. The unifying theme that connects all the laments in the Psalms is that the psalmists are not spiraling inward, but instead they're bringing their laments upward to God, to the one who hears, to the one who says, come to me, cast your burdens upon me because I care for you. We see that in the songs of lament. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? We're very familiar with these, right? Psalm 6, verse 1. I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you cast down? Oh my soul, why are you cast down, oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? We see these laments and yet we see that they don't stop and deaden on themselves. They don't spiral downward into despair, but they go and they rise upward to God because These songs are directed to God. They're directed to God, which is why the Psalms, the references I just mentioned, they don't stop there. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? He continues, verse five, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Psalm 42, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Very next phrase, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And so therefore we lament and we grieve as those who are saved by faith, by grace, and yet we still live in the land 
where we are waiting for a future land. We're waiting for that promised home. And yet we have a God who cares deeply for us, who says, come, come to me with all of your laments. I care for you. And this too is how we church are like the Psalm 1 tree, firmly planted in the ground of God's grace, drinking from the brook, drinking from the source of life, from Christ himself and from his living word. Actually, look with me at Psalm chapter one, verse three. The psalmist says that this righteous man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Its leaf does not wither. Those who lament to God under the scorching heat of life's circumstance don't wither. Why is it that they don't wither? Is it because the heat isn't really that hot? No. Many of us know how hot it gets. How much it feels like there is no hope. So the leaf doesn't wither because it's not that hot. And the leaf doesn't wither because we're strong in and of ourselves, but the leaf doesn't wither because the roots go deep. It's that picture in Jeremiah 17 of the tree that's flourishing in an arid desert because it's planted and rooted by springs of life and water. This is our life with God as we live on this side of eternity, as we eagerly wait for true home, where there will be no heat. And this means, church, that we can truly sing praises to God, even when there's tears, especially when there's tears. This is when we can sing to God because the the. The psalmist here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, all throughout the Psalms, invite us to bring it all before God. Whether it's high hymns of praise or low laments of despair and everything in between, we bring it all before Him. This is an invitation to do so. We've been invited by the psalmist to bring it all by these lamenters here in Psalms, and we have been invited by the perfect lamenter in the Gospels. Jesus Christ, the one who is truly God and truly man, knows what it's like to lament because he did it himself. Jesus lamented himself as he was on the cross bearing God's wrath and punishment for the sin of mankind, he sang a song. Psalm 22 is what he sang and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Church, the very reason we could bring everything before him is because he first did it for you. Jesus first did it for you. 
He was crushed for you. He was buried in the tomb for you. He was risen on the third day for you and he laments for us. Not only as a model for what it looks like to to engage with our emotion as, as we engage with God, he's a model for that certainly, but he's also the way. He's the way that we actually are able to approach holy God to do this. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He himself is the life. We have access to God through Christ, so therefore we sing high praises to God in the name of Jesus. We remember what he's done for us at the cross, that he truly took on himself what we deserve. So we remember and we give thanks in the name of Jesus. We sing these songs because of Christ and through Christ. And we sing these psalms of lament, these songs of anguish and fear and pain because Christ himself is a sympathetic high priest who knows exactly what that is like and he has made a way for you to do so. This is why we sing and this is why we are rooted as we sing all these various expressions of praise. May God root us deep. May God root us deep in himself, not in the things of this world, not in ourself. We can't do it on our own. May God root us deep in him and in his word as we sing high praise to God and as we express all of our life before him. I want to close with a poem from a songwriter named Malcolm Gitt. And it's called Beatus Vir. It's actually a response to Psalm 1. To hear these words as we close. Come to the place where every breath is praise and God is breathing through each passing breeze. Be planted by the waterside and raise your arms with Christ beneath these rooted trees who lift their breathing leaves up to the sky. Be rooted too, as still and strong as these. Open alike to sun and rain. Arise from meditation by these waters. Bear the fruits of that deep rootedness. Be wise in the tree's long wisdom. Learn to share the secret of their patience. Pass the day in their green fastness and their quiet air. Slowly discern a life, a truth, a way where simple being flowers in delight. Then let the chaff of life just blow away. Let's pray. God, we need you. Every hour, every moment, We need you. God, thank you that we can even talk about Psalm 1 as a reality because you have caused new life to spring up out of the ground for your people who trust in you alone. God, would you water us with your wisdom 
and with your grace, with your very words of life, would we be that Psalm 1 tree rooted deep in your streams of life as we sing with all of our hearts wherever we are at. God, would you do a work in us? Would you minister deeply to your people as we sing praises to your name, as we are nourished by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, and as we encourage one another as trees in a forest. God, thank you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.